The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Thank you, young people. Take your Bible and go back, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 18. Let's digest the verse here a little bit together, where he says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. If you were to do a word study on Peter, it could also... Uh, be described as pebble and so as thou art Peter and upon this rock and I, I really believe this I believe as the Lord is speaking this to Peter and as he says and upon this rock he's pointing emphatically to himself he says I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that does not mean that the gates of hell is going to attack the church you've never seen gates attack anything but what it does mean is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the attacking of the church. Now, what does that mean? That means as a local body of born-again believers who are convinced that the world needs the gospel, we're going to go out and we're going to give the gospel to a lost and dying world. We're attacking the gates of hell. Uh, and by the way, the Bible says here about that very thing, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it aren't you glad that the gates of hell did not prevail against you getting saved aren't you glad that you received Christ as Savior and so we'll see here as the Bible talks about that uh, you and I are supposed to be the ones that goes out and gives the gospel All the church is not in trouble today matter of fact as I was talking to some of our preachers that was in the Baptist leadership conference I said tell me the temperature of the churches that you're preaching in oh and they said it's mighty fine uh, there are some churches out there that are not uh, getting the job done that they ought to get done however uh, more and more churches are getting on fire more and more churches are getting excited about the things of God now by the way I would like for Parkside Baptist Church to always stay excited about the things of God and I believe if we keep the soul winning fire and we uh, keep uh, our direction in the area of pleasing God that certainly can happen uh, here we'll see that uh, it mentions the word rock um, the Bible also mentions that word in first Peter chapter 2 and in verse 8 where the Bible says uh, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and that's talking about the Lord uh, rocks are very important you pick up a rock, it's solid. You pick up a rock, it's solid through and through. You pick up a rock, it's hard. There's no compromise there. You pick up a rock, and if you throw it, it probably could hurt or break something. And so rocks are very solid. Isn't it unique that God himself, in describing his son through the scriptures, calls him a rock? And yet the Bible talks about that through and through, and we'll study that this morning. As we talk about this morning, uh, come to the stone, if you will. Come to the stone. Uh, when I went up to uh, Maryland, I preached up uh, in Maryland. I preached at a, uh, in Westminster, Maryland, I preached at what they call a soul winner's banquet. And my host that was at the Solwater's Banquet uh, was very gracious and kind. And I purposely planned and uh, out because I'm from Maryland and uh, I was raised only uh, about 30 minutes from Gettysburg. 
And so I told my host, I said, if I fly out in the afternoon, I've not been to Gettysburg in probably 15 to 20 years. And I knew it was about the time, it was in November, of course, if you know your history, that Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. I think it was on November the 19th. And so I was preaching up there around November the 17th, and they start their parades and stuff like that early. And so I told my host, I said, would it be possible? Uh, I've not been to Gettysburg in a long time. I've not seen the marches in a long time. Would it, would it be possible if we could go up to Gettysburg before I fly out? I'm flying out of Baltimore City. Uh, but would it be okay if we went up to Gettysburg and, and see if we could catch some of those marches and stuff like that? He said, oh, sure, we can do that. And so uh, we went up to Gettysburg. And if you've ever been to Gettysburg, you see all the monuments. And by the way, I'm not for anybody taking down any monument. Uh, we're not necessarily proud of uh, all the things that took place in the Civil War and stuff like that, but that is a part of our heritage, and I don't think you ought to destroy the history of any nation. And, uh, but, uh, and so we went up there, and I saw all the monuments, and you know, those monuments have been around for a long time. They're made of stone, they're made of uh, uh, bricks, some of them are made of mortar, some of them are made, of course, of cement, some of them are made of uh, rock, and they, they've just been around a long, long time. Well, while I was there in Maryland, I also decided to go and visit the homestead where I grew up. I grew up on a 180-acre farm in Millers, Maryland, and so I borrowed my host car, and one day prior to leaving, I said, I'd like to be able to borrow a car, and I promise I'll try not to wreck it, and, uh, and, but I, I like to be able to drive around. Of course, it's been snowing outside and stuff like that. It's been a long time since I've driven in the snow. But I said, I'd like to be able to go around and visit the homestead where I grew up as a boy. And uh, on that 180-acre farm, I'd like to be able to go down that lane there and be able to see the old homestead. And I'd like to be able to go by my old house where mom and daddy built while I was being raised by some other people. And uh, I'd like to be able to go by and visit the grave of the people that raised me. And so, oh, I tried to find their grave. I couldn't remember even what, what city it was in. And so I finally narrowed it down to figure out what city it was in. All remembers that their grave was located beside an alley. That's all I remember. And so, uh, or beside a, uh, an old road, if you will. Not an alley, but an old road. And so, finally I found it. I found it. And I, I took a picture of it and would cherish it till my dying day. But, you know, all those tombstones were made of, of hard substance. And uh, as you think about a rock or you think about a stone, it's something that has been there forever. My grandparents that were born in the late 1800s, one of them in 1880, uh, one of them in 1897, the other one in 1894. And so uh, uh, to be able to go by and to visit uh, that uh, uh, tombstone sure did mean a lot to me. You know, uh, and it's been solid all those many years. I mean, they died uh, back in the 1970s. And so can I say this? Can I say that Jesus Christ is a rock that is not going to disappear? I mean, uh, here we have that which is the statement about Christ. Here we have the statement about that which is the church. And because the church was established upon Jesus Christ, the church is going to be around. Oh, there's countries that have churches underground, but they're still churches. 
there's uh, countries that have uh, embraced the, the uh, socialism that's now uh, pushing its way into America and communism that's now pushing its way, uh, trying to push its way into America. And there's been countries that's been overtaken by that. And uh, where communism comes in, freedom of religion goes out. And, and, uh, but you understand this, that uh, uh, those countries that have been under oppression for all those many years because uh, communism and socialism overtook them, can I tell you, there's still many churches that are doing the job uh, in those particular countries. Now, let's notice some things here about that which is uh, coming to the stone. Take your Bible, if you will, and notice this. The Bible talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 4. The Bible says, to whom coming, it says, as unto the living stone, watch it now, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. So uh, men have rejected that which is uh, Christ. Men have rejected that which is the solidness of Christ. Um, if you were to go up to what we call the United States uh, uh, Arlington National Cemetery, uh, it's on the Potomac River there in Virginia, you'll see that there's 612 acres. On those 612 acres, there's 240 uh, thousand members of her armed forces that was buried there. You'll see famous people buried there too, like former presidents uh, John uh, F. Kennedy and William Howard Teff. And you'll see that there is Supreme Court justices like Chief Justice uh, Earl Warren and Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. And, and many other people that are buried there. And as you walk by, you get to see the plots of the people that are buried there. Now, can I tell you the difference between somebody that's buried underneath the earth and they have a stone as a marker is that we have a living stone, as the Bible talks about, and that living stone is solid, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, and by the way, you can't take anything with you. Uh, now, you can take somebody else with you if they receive Christ. That's why it's good to be a part of a soul-winning church. Mr. Smith was about to die, and he had three good friends. He was a wealthy individual, and he decided to leave a lot of his money to uh, different uh, foundations and even to his children. But uh, he had some good friends, and he wanted to take some of his money to heaven. So he called his lawyer, was his best friend, called his doctor, who became his best friend, and called his preacher and said, Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die, and when I die, I'd like to take some of my money with me. So I'm going to give each one of you $30,000. So when it comes time for them to close the lid on the casket, just go ahead and each one of you put that $30,000 in my casket. That way when I get to heaven, I can have my $30,000. And so they were riding along in the limousine after the casket lid had been closed. And uh, that which is the casket is in the back of the hearse and they're heading down to where the casket would be lowered into the ground and well they started to talk about the envelopes that they'd put inside of the casket and the preacher spoke up and he said you know uh, Mr. Smith he was a faithful member of our church and, and I, I know he wouldn't mind he said so I, I've got to confess something I didn't put all the $30,000 in there uh, we, we really needed baptistry uh, repair in our church, and he loved people being saved and baptized, so I, I just put $20,000 in there. 
And the physician spoke up and said, well, I guess I need to be honest too. Uh, he said, you know, if he would have been diagnosed of the disease that killed him ahead of time, he, he wouldn't have died. And he said, I know he's got a burden for other people, and so I only put $10,000 in the casket, and I took the $20,000, and you know, I bought the machine. Well, the lawyer spoke up and said, I'm ashamed of both of you. We gave our words. We told him that we would put that money in that casket. And I'm ashamed of both of you. And I want you to know that I put all $30,000 in the casket. I wrote a check and put it in the casket. <laughs> now, can I tell you uh, that uh, when it comes to uh, being able to reject or to receive, when it comes to being able to be honest or dishonest, when it comes to being able to serve or not serve, just like those fellows made individual decisions, you're going to have to make an individual decision. And here's what we see. Statement number one, we see that Christ was rejected by men. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, as I read a moment ago, it says a living stone, not a dead stone, but a living stone dis, uh, disallowed indeed of men. But yet he was chosen of God. Now, by the way, just because he's disallowed of men doesn't mean that you as a person ought not to receive him yourself. I was the first believer in my home. Uh, nobody else got saved prior to me. I'm so glad I got saved. I'm glad that I received Christ as my Savior. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it didn't matter to me if anybody else got saved in my house or not. As far as on my day of salvation, when I understood the gospel and I saw my need of Christ, and I bowed my heart, and I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior, uh, that is what was important to me. And you've got to look at you and what your need is with Jesus Christ. You don't need to be that person that decides that he is as your Savior. But you say, you don't understand. The Bible talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 8 that uh, he's a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. And uh, pastor, if I receive Christ as my Savior, then uh, uh, there's going to be people that don't like it. I'd rather people not like the fact that I got saved than to die and burn in hell. I'd rather uh, have people get upset with me and be upset with me all the days of my life. And when I take my last breath here, my next breath would be in heaven uh, then somebody if you would please to be very pleased with me and yet never one time did I ever ask Jesus Christ to be my savior there's a little girl and she was in school and uh, she was a sixth grader and and the teacher had some liberal tendencies and and so the teacher told the class I'm an atheist I'm an atheist I'm going to explain to you what an atheist is and I think that everybody in this class ought to be an atheist. She's a public school teacher. You'd never get that in our academy, I promise you. Amen. But uh, she's a public school teacher and said, uh, I think that everybody in my class ought to be an atheist. She explained what an atheist was and said, I think today you ought to make your decision that you're going to be an atheist. And if you'd like to be an atheist like me, your teacher, raise your hand. And so she looked out in her class and everybody had raised their hand. These little sixth graders so very impressionable and that teacher taking advantage of the situation. And so uh, they all raised their hand and said, yeah, I want to be an atheist. But there was one little girl, her name was Lucy, and Lucy did not raise her hand. 
And so the teacher said to Lucy, why did you not raise your hand? She said, because I'm a Christian. Oh, the atheist didn't like that at all. And the atheist said, well, why are you a Christian? She said, because my mom is a Christian. My dad is a Christian. We go to a Christian church. And one day I heard about Jesus and I decided that I wanted to be a Christian. Oh, the teacher became outraged. And with a loud voice, the teacher said, well, what if your mom was an idiot? Would you want to be an idiot? What if your dad was an idiot? What in the world would that make you, Lucy? Why don't you answer up? She said, well, after thinking a while, then I guess that would make me an atheist. Now, can I tell you, listen, we ought to decide uh, that we're not going to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be proud of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go. The Bible says over in 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 22, the Bible says, uh, who is a liar? The Bible says, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. It says, uh, listen to it now. Uh, uh, it talks about that person. It says, uh, he is an antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. And so the Bible teaches that we ought not to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'll be honest with you. I see a lot of people denying Jesus Christ in the way they live today. I see people that are ashamed of Christ and they don't pray at their meals and uh, they don't thank God publicly and, and they're ashamed to be able to boast themselves. And can I tell you, in our nation, with our nation having such complex problems where they're trying to uh, uh, push Christ more out of our society, there needs to be some people that decide that you're not going to deny the Lord. Hey, don't be ashamed to pray uh, out loud and don't be ashamed to pray before your meals in the public arena. And don't be ashamed to give out a gospel track. And don't be ashamed to be able to smile and tell people why you're smiling. And when Christmas time comes around, don't you be one of these scaredy cats that decides that you're going to say, well, uh, happy holiday. No, you say Merry Christmas. And uh, when people say, well, why are you smiling the way that you're smiling? Why don't you be that one that rises up and just simply say this, I'm smiling because I love God and God is real and God wants to help you and why don't you decide that you're going to be that individual that stands for God and stands for righteousness and stands for holiness and stands for purity oh don't bow your head and just uh, pretend that Christ does not exist can I tell you he's a living stone he does exist he wants you to stand for him he wants you to live for him he wants you to step up and be able to serve him be that individual that does not reject Christ among men may I say that uh, uh, there were those that rejected him statement number two there were those that chose him uh, listen to it first Peter chapter 2 and in verse 4 the Bible says this the Bible says to whom coming it says onto the living stone listen to whom coming to whom coming He's not going to reject anybody that comes to whom coming as unto the living stone. It says disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He is very precious to you and I. I feel sorry for those that went through the California synagogue shooting. They were celebrating their Passover. 
and a 19-year-old boy by the name of John uh, Ernest came in, and he decided that he was going to not just interrupt, but he was going to kill. Killed one uh, lady 60 years of age and injured others. Now, can I tell you, uh, boy, by the way, I thank God for a security department. I thank God that we have such at our church. But you see this, we see that uh, uh, he was rejected by men, but yet we also see that he was chosen of God. A famous preacher of many years ago uh, was attending a meeting, and his name was uh, A.W. Criswell, used to be the former pastor down here at First Baptist Church, and uh, he was a very conservative Southern Baptist. You don't find too many conservative Southern Baptists today, but that was back in the day when they stood for something. But he was, uh, he was in a meeting, and as he's in a meeting, there's a pastor by the name of Pastor Wiley, and Pastor Wiley got up. The meeting was at the First Baptist Church of Memphis, Texas, and he got up, and John O'Rice was leading the singing that night as a young man, and, uh, and uh, Chriswell came forward. God spoke to his heart through the preaching that night, and he surrendered to be a pastor. Well, Mr. Wiley had a brother that he'd been praying for for a long time that was visiting from New Mexico, and the brother was a very senior, stately type of individual, and he came forward in his stately apparel, and he also surrendered that night to be a preacher. The next day at the home church, the pastor of that church, Mr. Wiley, uh, got up and, and introduced his brother, and his brother got up, and for the first time in his life, he preached a message. Nobody could hear it past the first row. It was almost like a whisper, but he preached the message the best he could. And uh, this little boy by the name of Chriswell was standing over there. Nobody recognized him. Nobody shook his hand. Nobody said, I'm glad that you surrendered. And by the way, listen, that did not stop the fact that there was a decision made in the heart. Don't you thank God for young people? Amen. I see young people uh, that uh, receive Christ as their Savior, and they make decisions at a youth camp, or they make decisions at a youth conference that we have here, or they make the decision uh, because they attend a junior church among the hundreds of young people that do here on property every Sunday morning, and they make a decision to receive Christ, they make a decision to serve God, and they simply step out. And by the way, listen, uh, when a young person gets excited about serving God, that's a whole lot better than getting excited about serving the devil. A young person comes up and says, hey, listen, today I talked to two people about Christ. Whether they led them to Christ or not, you ought to boast on the fact that they had the boldness to talk to anybody about God. When a young person gets up and says, hey, Dad, Mama, I just want you to know I read the scriptures this morning. You ought to pat them on the back and say, I tell you what, you're my hero. You did a great job. Boy, thank you for reading your Bible. You're exactly what God expects every young person to do. And it's something, it's the kids that get in trouble that get the attention. Oh, can I help you a little bit? And I love you. But when a kid gets in trouble, those of you that are trying to live for the Lord, don't give them attention like they're a hero. Let them come back to the Lord. Help them to come back to the Lord. They're not a hero. They're a disgrace. I'm saying this, I'm saying uh, you'll see that there was those that re, uh, rejected him. You'll see that God had chosen those to live uh, for him, and he had called those to live for him. And by the way, he calls old people too. Yeah. 
Did you know that? Now, old is relative to the person. When you're 12, somebody that's 30, they're old. When you're in your teen years, somebody that's 30 and 40, they're old. When you get my age, old is like in its hundreds somewhere. <laughs> but old is very relative. May I remind you, please, that at the age of 80, there was Caleb that told Moses that, uh, uh, by the way, uh, made the statement also when he was 40, but later on at the age of 80 plus went over to be able to take that land of Canaan. Uh, there was Moses. He didn't begin his work until he was 80. Uh, there was Joshua. Uh, he became a conqueror in living, if you would, in the promised land at the age of 110. First time you ever see Noah mentioned in the Bible, he's 500 years old. Say, you, you think you'll reach 500 years old? Depends on how much peanut butter I eat. Uh, David, the Bible says, he said, I once was young and now I'm old. Uh, that's probably talking about he's in his senior years. He said, I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen God's people forsaken uh, or a seed begging for bread. Uh, Boaz was considered an old man when he married Ruth. By the way, that means that there is encouragement for you that are single and you consider yourself old. We had a friend of ours, by uh, her name was Ruth. And just like in the Bible here, his name was not Boaz, though. But, uh, you know, Gary, his name was Gary Cottle. You remember the story, honey? Gary Cottle. Gary Cottle waited and waited and waited. He's in his 40s. And all of a sudden, God brought Ruth across his path, and his eyes lit up. Man, he started chirping like a bird sitting out there on the limb. And he said, oh, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one. You know, he got married. They had a children. They're teenagers now or older, living for God today. Uh, so don't be in a rush. You say, well, I just don't know who the one is. I'd rather wait and God give me their choice. You ever seen somebody married wrong? You ever seen somebody had a bad marriage? You ever seen that before? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, my, my parents were strong Catholics, strong Catholics. And my mama said, I'll never divorce him. I'll never divorce him. I might kill him, <laughs> but I'll never divorce him. Daddy would come in drunk, and mama would hit, her, hit him with a frying pan. Hello. They'd throw stuff back and forth. I'd look at my brother, and I said, war's on. And they'd be throwing stuff back and forth. They'd be saying all sorts of bad words and stuff like that. But they were, they were devout in the fact that we'll never divorce. We'll never divorce. You know, and sometimes we kind of thought they'd hate each other and kill each We did. We thought they'd kill each other eventually. Matter of fact, we even wrote down what will we do on the day that they die. We had it planned out, you know, who's going to live with who and stuff like that. Now, can I say this? Can I say that uh, uh, God has chosen people? Uh, he chose his son. Now, I'm not talking about predestination election. That's only for those that are believers. You study your Bible. Okay? But we do understand this. We understand that, that God wants all of us to be able to go out, and God has a responsibility for you. He said, I'm not you've not chosen me. I've chosen you. 
So we have a responsibility to go out and to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. God uses young people. God uses old people. You know, Jacob was old. Uh, uh, when you think about this, and Joseph was old, and Paul served God in old age. So don't be this person that says, well, I tell you what, serving God is only for the young. Serving God's for everybody. I remember Lee Robertson traveling around and driving. I asked Dr. Robertson one time, I said, why do you drive everywhere you go? Why don't you fly? It'd sure be a whole lot easier if you fly. And he said, well, I, I, I don't know when God's going to call me home, but I don't want to be on the plane when God calls the pilot home. <laughs> he said, so I'll just drive everywhere I go. And that was his reason. Now, can I tell you, we see this, that uh, he was rejected by men. God chose his son, uh, so he was chosen by God. Watch this. Uh, he was accepted by sinners. Isn't that something? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, and I'm almost done. The Bible says, uh, ye also, it says, a it says, as lively stones are built up the spiritual house. It says, a holy priesthood and offered up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, it says in verse 6, First uh, uh, Peter chapter 2, wherefore also, it says, it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I design a chief cornerstone elect, precious. The Bible says, and he that believeth on him is not, listen to it now, uh, to be confounded. All right? So what's he talking about? He's saying, uh, don't be confused. Uh, sinners still do receive him. Elvis Presley died um, August uh, 16th, 1977. He died at the age of 42. And uh, uh, you know that there is uh, places around America today that still worship Elvis Presley. There's impersonators. Matter of fact, Carl Hatch, when he was alive, he was on an airplane and it was flying into Memphis to preach to somebody there. And he saw these Elvis Presley impersonators. They had the long, remember how they used to have those long sideburns? You know, black hair with those little piece hanging down in the front. And, you know, and they would walk with the swag, you know, just like they, they impersonated Elvis Presley. And so uh, on the plane, they said, now, if you'd like to come up and give an impersonation of Elvis Presley, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All these people raised their hand, and they would come up and say, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> they would impersonate Elvis Presley. You know, and finally Carl Hatch raised his hand. He wasn't dressed like Elvis Presley, but they didn't want to say that, you know, you, you can't come up and impersonate him because they were saying anybody wants to come. So Carl Hatch got up there and he went like this. <laughs> now, can I say, Elvis Presley's dead. But our king liveth forever. You know, in Denver, I, I, it's, it's true. In Denver, uh, there is a church that is called the Church of the Risen Elvis. Yeah. They have an enshrined look-alike doll of Elvis surrounded by candles and flowers. And every time that somebody says, we had a sighting of Elvis, they have a special service to come and to worship Elvis. 
Still today, there's over 600,000 visitors that visit Graceland, second only to the White House. Isn't that crazy? Now, I'm sorry to bust your bubble if you're an Elvis Presley fan, but he's dead. He's not coming back. You're not going to see him floating in the clouds. His hound dog's dead too by now. <laughs> now can I tell you, over in Acts chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, and it be known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it says, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you Whole, listen to it now. Uh, this is the stone, he says, uh, which is set at naught uh, of the builders, uh, which becometh the head cornerstone. Neither is there salvation in any other, that uh, there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby, listen to it now, we must be saved. So we understand this sinners come to him. Tell you this when my daddy got saved my daddy did drink uh, and uh, later on he became quite ashamed of that uh, when my daddy got saved my daddy announced to me that he'd received christ as savior and uh, we had a wine cellar downstairs he brought up all the wine poured it down i'm talking about stuff that would have cost him uh, a couple hundred dollars or so each he poured it all down the drain he went in got all this whiskey in the bar downstairs brought it upstairs poured it down the drain you know why because jesus christ changes a man Amen. my daddy wrote the books for sailors to read on cursing you get that after a while but my daddy had a foul mouth just a very foul mouth you know, and, and he'd say all these bad words, and my dear wife will remember this, but after salvation, my daddy would say a bad word around us, Brother Lap, and here's what he would do. Oh, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said that. I never bothered him before. Salvation changes a man. My older brother's in heaven today. Uh, he died at age 57. My older brother's in heaven today. Before he got saved, he was a mean dude. I mean, he was just mean. Just downright mean. He'd see if he could make you cry. If he couldn't make you cry by insulting you, he would do other things. He's just mean in some areas. Now, his children could testify to it. But after Dave got saved, there was a sweetness that came over him. See, only God can do that. I've seen... Uh, People get saved, had rough backgrounds, and God changes them. God changes them. God changes them from the inside. I've seen people that before they get saved, they never smile. I mean, they look like they're attending a funeral for like the 108th time in the one day. And I watched them. I watched them get saved. And now all of a sudden, they sit there and they smile. You know, they enjoy Christianity. They enjoy serving God. They enjoy church. I think sometimes Christians ought to convince themselves that, oh, yes, I did get saved. Yeah, I did. I can smile now. I can come to church and actually enjoy it. I'm saying this. Here's what we understand. Uh, that he was uh, somebody that was disallowed by men, but he was chosen by God 
He was accepted by sinners. And by the way, that's the way that you and I ought to always be. Uh, we ought to be the one that says, I identify with him. Why? Because he is my rock. He is my living stone. You see, and because he's my living stone, I can put full confidence in him. Sometimes men walk out of your life. At that time, some, you see Christ walking in your life. Sometimes things change in your life. What do you do? You put your full confidence in him. Why? Because he's there for you every single step of the way. Father, bless we do pray this morning. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.